welcome to Classics with Champagne and Caviar, where we're two wacky sisters, Francesca and Coco, who discuss our love for classic films. So pop open a bottle of your best champagne and caviar and let's talk classics. And thank you for all joining us for another alluring episode of Classics with Champagne and Caviar with Francesca and Coco. And while we're talking about this week's episode, I thought I would pop open a bottle of the Red Blinn Diamond Collection of the 2017 Francis Ford Coppola Wine Collection. Um, and you guessed it, folks, because we're going to be talking about one of the most prolific, talked about, and considerably and arguably the greatest movie of all time. Yes. The and Godfather. The Godfather, or as they say, Il film di Archie El Padrino. All right. I didn't know you could speak a little Italiano, Paisano. Absolutely, honey. And you're quite a bit of Italianos. <laughs> <laughs> I guess your travels in New York and Italy have made yeah. you quite experienced, Coco. Yes. And I am loving this wine, shall we say. I mean, I have mine on ice as always, but mm-hmm. it's very I delish. Just thought it was. Be, also. <laughs> would be great to drink as we talk about this great film of 1972. I mean, where do we begin when you talk about The Godfather? I mean, it, we could go on for just on our show and forever talk about this movie. That's how great it is. It is. I mean, Marlon Brando did such a stellar performance. Bravo, bravo. I mean, Marlon Brando, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Robert Duvall. Correct. And Robert, we don't see Robert De Niro until the second installment of the film, which I must say this film trilogy is about the best film trilogy that we've ever seen transformed from a novel or collection Mm -hmm. of novels into a set of a first movie sequel into the third film. Yes. And because so many movies, they do the first film, the second one falls so short. Yes. Or the third installment falls so short. But this is about the best film truly that I you will concur. ever see. I would concur. I mean, the second and the third are even better. Correct. Than the first. I mean, it, it keeps you the anticipation of what's going to happen to the Corleone family. And Michael Corleone in particular is just... I mean, it's just an amazing ride. And bravo to Francis Ford Coppola for his creative vision for this film, for being as not only director, but also as co-screen writer, along with Mario Puzo, Puzo. Mm -hmm. who wrote the wonderful novel that came out before 1972 and probably arguably one of the best books made into a novel. Yes, I I would concur with that. Other than say when you go back to classic films like like maybe Gone with the Wind. Wind. I was just about to say that or um, the movie uh, 
uh, with Atticus Finch, To Kill, to Kill a, a Mockingbird, Mockingbird. Harper Lee. Mm-hmm. So this is about the one of those top three books that was made into a film. Yes. And or Breakfast at Tiffany's. I forgot about that. Correct. When, with Truman, with Truman Capote. Capote. Correct. Correct. Yes. But we could go on and on for days about the how necessary it was for Hollywood to definitely make this film. I know a lot of people when it first came out, you look at it as an Italian-American film about the transformation yes. of one family from its roots to America and mm-hmm. really epitomizing the American dream. But it's really about family. At its core, at its essence. and. I've had, I've, you know, I've spoken to many people, especially uh, tons of Italians who are like, you're not Italian, so why would you enjoy the film? Correct. And as I tell them all the time, to me, it's just not about a man that's a gangster, you know, that's part Correct. of the five families. It's much deeper than that. It's about, at core, like you just said, the essence of it is about a family and a family struggle for existence and survival. And I definitely look at it in as New York. A coming of age movie for the main character, yes. which is Al Pacino's character, mm-hmm. Michael Corleone, the son of Marlon Brando's character, yes. Vito Corleone. And you really see that transition because. You know, when you start watching the film, his very exclusion from his family mm-hmm. into the inclusion of himself into his family business. Yes. And it's such a beautiful, uh, well acted. I mean, it Just was dynamic. nominated for so many Oscars and definitely won uh, Marlon Brando, the Best Actor Oscar mm-hmm. for that year. But it's just such a beautiful movie in every aspect. And, you know, I know we've talked about this in our other episodes of classic film, what makes a classic film and this definitely checks every mark from cinematography to the acting to the, the, the dialogue the script writing right cinematography i mean you said it i mean you know it's such a generational film exactly. and it's interesting to see um the film focus on an immigrant family mm-hmm. in their rise and coming to america mm-hmm. especially at that time exactly and then to see the progression of the family Mm -hmm. from one generation to the next to see what they're going to do for Mm -hmm. a substantial amount of time when you go from the godfather to the godfather part two to the godfather part three correct i I thought that's you know it's really interesting to see that in a film a lot of times you don't see the progression of characters Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. unless you're watching you know back in the day soap operas or things like that correct so it was good to see the progression of where the first movie left off to the second to the third and I thought that was very important to see the various generations grow Mm -hmm. and to see what avenues they were going to partake in and it's so almost unheard of at the time for a movie to have a runtime of three hours or so and not be like a biblical epic or Mm -hmm. epic movie like Spartacus Mm -hmm. or King of Kings and you have a gangster or as they like to call it or put it in that genre Mm -hmm. a gangster film be that long because it's more than just a gangster movie it's a story that we're seeing unfold it's almost like Hamlet being watched on screen mm-hmm. but of a modern day yes and it's, yes. it's just so prolific I mean you can't talk about classic films without, without talking. talking about the Godfather exactly. you can't and to think is so ironic that I know Paramount Studios who did produce this movie and the president mm-hmm. of Paramount Studios I think that was Bob Evans wasn't it did not mm-hmm. want Marlon Brando as the lead actor. Could you imagine 
the Godfather without it's it's impossible. Brando? It's impossible. As I sip on my Francis for Coca wine, I mean, you cannot <laughs> have had this role go to anyone else. And I know people no, were, you couldn't did not want to work with Marlon Brando. Because True. they said he was very difficult at the time, and I, the story has it that they wanted Francis Ford Coppola to go through so many hoops and, you know, yeah. babbles to get. I, I think it was like insuring him; he had to have like a million dollars insurance Correct. or something, and, and they didn't want to pay him, and all yeah. these things to because yeah. they really didn't want Marlon Brando. But he was very adamant in saying that he wanted Marlon Brando, and. But tell them about the screen test. I think that well, is a hoot. It's so funny because I think that he, uh, according to Francis Ford Coppola, as I remember it, said that he went to Marlon Brando's house mm-hmm. with a very small film crew of, you know, people dressed like ninjas, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And they came to his door and he was dressed in a kimono <laughs> with, with his long, long blonde hair. hair. <laughs> totally what you would not think would be a Godfather type character. Or Marlon Brando. Exactly. For that <laughs> but we all know that he was very eccentric. Mm-hmm. And so, very you know, versatile. he all of a sudden, of course, Marlon Brando had read the script and read the book. And so he comes and transforms himself by tying his long brown hand to like a little man knot. And yes, then and then he, I think putting he put shoe, shoe polish. polish correct, yeah. black shoe polish on his hair. And then according to Marlon Brando, Don Vito's character had been shot in the throat, so he kind of made his voice very raspy. He suggested raspy. that he would be raspy right? Sounding, which was like an iconic thing. He transformed himself the character into of that Vito. character. Yeah. Yeah. And he put tissue in his jaw gals to, to try to make his mouth change the how he pronunciated things his or enunciated face. things. Mm-hmm. And he To give really, him a look of a bulldog, I think they said. And Something like that. he became Don Vito. At that moment, and and he uh, was he was playing like a sixty-something-year-old man, and he was only forty-seven, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, yeah. <laughs> when he did the role, which was like the the makeup team, the cause the um, the effects team. It was just amazing mm-hmm. costumes mm-hmm. and that's everything. called real acting, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> you know, when you can take yourself and transform into a character like that and is bring just that character to life in ways that they had a screen imagined. test in your house exactly <laughs> while wearing a kimono that's called real right. acting mm-hmm. and so that's when i think they took that screen test to paramount studios and they realized that that role he needed was to go Vito Corleone. exactly and that movie even to this day is so and that role is so iconic and marlon brando is such a prolific actor that he really? has million of other roles that you can identify I mean, him let's with. Let's start with Stella, right? A street came named Desire mm-hmm. from you know on the waterfront, which won him the Oscar. Yes. you know to so many other roles mm-hmm. that he has been identified as Don Vito Corleone mm-hmm. as one of his most prolific roles. And I hate to say, or give an actor who's had such a multifaceted career mm-hmm. to narrow it down to just one performance, but at the same time, mm-hmm. all I can say is, what a performance. What a performance. And it's it's so rare when you see an actor transform into such a character that mm-hmm. you can't see anyone else portraying that role. But that person, it's, that and actor. It, and that's a classic film. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could talk about so many other films where the lead actor or the actress or best supporting actor or actress has totally transformed that character. That's all we see. Yeah, and, I, and I'd have to say, even Al Pacino, who I love and is 
one of my personal favorites. Mm -hmm. He was amazing because I think this was like his first role and he was He was relatively unknown. Yeah, at the time. and he was worried about being fired at one point mm -hmm. off it. And I mean what a performance. And so the story goes, if I'm not mistaken, they wanted so many other famous people at that time in the 70s mm -hmm. to play Michael Corleone. Um, I think even at one time they wanted Ryan O'Neill or the yeah, studio system. The studio did, but Francis Ford Coppola did not. Mm -hmm. But he wanted the film to have the face of Italy in mm -hmm. the characters, mm -hmm. and what a great choice. And we even have James Caan playing Santino Corleone. The one and only. Correct. Yes. Um, and he did announce, I mean, None of these characters didn't do an outstanding job. All of these actors and actresses mm -hmm. did a outstanding, superb. So bravo to them. Talia Shear, who is also the sister yes. to Francis Coppola. And I'm, I'm glad that he gave her a chance. And if I'm not mistaken, it was Mario Puzo that told him mm -hmm. to give to her, test her. Yeah, to screen test her and give her a chance without Connie Culioni. Who, who could you imagine playing her? Like I said, all of these characters truly became the role that they are portraying. We even have Robert Duvall, who's a great character actor as well, um, playing Tom Hagen, um, John Cazelle playing Fredo Corleone. Yes. Who's an excellent, excellent character actor. Um, Morgana King playing Mama Corleone. Yes. Diane Keaton, who was also very young at the time, playing mm -hmm. Kay Adams. Mm -hmm. So it was just so many people, great actors. We have Richard Conti playing in the character of Barzini. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's just so many people. It really is. And Abe Vigoda. Oh, and you and even <laughs> met Abe Vigoda, did you not? I Coco? did. I met Abe Vigoda, believe it or not, in 2005 and okay. 2006 on the streets of New York, which is why I love it because it is a runway. You never know who you're going to meet, hon. Right. I love it. I met him and his lovely wife it, it, with a friend of mine, and it was just wonderful. And when I saw him, I was like, Tessio! Right. Tessio, I love you. And of course, he was known for other things like, you know, his television show Fish and with Barney Miller and other things. Correct. But I just loved him as Tessio. And, and let me just tell you, ladies and gents, he was wonderful. He was such a sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when you go up to iconic actors or actresses, you're, you're not sure how they're going to respond or if they're going to receive you. Mm -hmm. But he was lovely. He was wonderful. And, I'm I, and I really, really, really appreciated that. Well, I'm kindness. very jealous, Coco. I'm very <laughs> jealous. And I you even have a, a little um, cameo, or not cameo, but in the role of Sterling Hayden as Captain yes, McCluskey, yes, as the police yes. captain. And I always loved Sterling Hayden, mm -hmm. but I hate to say it, I hated him as Captain McCluskey. <laughs> I hated his character. He because was so mean. Because he plays mean. such a bad character. Yeah, he was so mean, and he was, I hated when he slapped Al Pacino. I was like, don't <laughs> hurt him, please. But the movie is so wonderful because it really makes you look at your own life and apply it the same way of the Corleone family. Mm -hmm. I mean, this movie is so iconic, they even have a video game, let's just say, I after this movie. Have you ever played it? I no, was wanting to. No, I'm not a big video game person because mm -hmm. I can't really do a lot of multifunction, you know, with my hands, right, hand-eye right, coordination because right. I'm a little old, children. <laughs> no, you're not, darling. <laughs> 
You're only but, as old as you feel. That's correct. But no, I mean, that just tells you through the years how classic this film is. I mean, I think they said that Francis Ford Coppola could quit as a director and never make another movie because that's how wonderful and how much this film grossed and how it made yes. it was such iconic, not only for him, but in, mm -hmm. mu in, in movie history. I mean, I think it was a transition, you know, especially in the 70s of showing classic Hollywood, classic golden age because it was set back in the 40s, 50s. And then, you know, in the 70s, though, and it still show you how important the golden age of Hollywood was yeah, and, to, and, and to every normal day life. Yeah. And I would like to say I thought it was um, a great depiction mm -hmm. of an Italian family. Mm -hmm. Because before then, you know, the films that I think of that portrayed Italians were typically like Scarface that like they had done with Paul Muni, mm -hmm. you know, like in the 30s or 40s, whatever. Mm -hmm. But to have a film that was done by an Italian himself, mm -hmm. it gives you a deeper connection. Because you relate to the, each character, you relate right. to the story. You understand in, the character, the background. Well, that too. You know, it's such a cultural film. Right. And it starts off with such an iconic scene that you really do relate to it. Here it is. You see the first person that you see really is, you know, on a wedding day mm -hmm. of this major person, Don Vito. And you see the character really, who he is, what's the nature of his, who his character is, who he is and his importance, not only to his family, but to his community and to the rest of the world, so to speak. And so mm -hmm. he's on his daughter's wedding day. And as by Sicilian, you know, tradition, you're granted these wishes of people who come to you for favors or yes. quote-unquote favors mm -hmm. and so you meet this man who's telling the story of a brutal attack of his daughter and asking for Don Vito's help to bring justice yes to eliminate know. him right mm -hmm. and this whole scene we see you know before Marlon Brando even speaks He's even started acting at the very beginning mm -hmm. by just his motions, his movement, his body language. You see he's yeah. very tranquil. He gives you playing the, with the cat. He gives you the body language and the vibe that mm -hmm. I am someone mm -hmm. who commands and as well as demand respect. Correct. Mm -hmm. And he basically tells the character, you know, you must call me Godfather. Yes. You know, in order for this so quote unquote favor to mm -hmm. occur. Because you get the impression or he, he states that, you know, their families were together or grew up together, lived next door. But because of the nature of Don Vito's business, he kind of distanced himself from him mm -hmm. up until he needed him to take care of this for him. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole psychology to this film of the nature of characters breaking each one down, each family member and who you identify with really mm -hmm. um, from Don Vito, Marlon Brando's character to his children and to how they play out to the rest of the film. Yeah. And that's where we get from the wedding, the nature and the breakdown, I think the beginning in my opinion, of each character. First you have okay, Connie who's the, the youngest daughter mm -hmm. getting married to Carlo 
and, then, and can we give a shout out to Gianni Russo, who I love, is my bravo, favorite. Bravo. And if I'm not mistaken, he's come out with some pasta sauce that you and I mm-hmm. um, have ordered. We're waiting to get it. <laughs> Call yum, you yum. know the Corleone of the family is mm-hmm. one of those. It's going to be delicious. I already know. Correct. I just I just had to say that because he's so handsome. <laughs> <laughs> and so you get the breakdown of she's getting married. She's young, and then you get the breakdown of the other characters. His mm-hmm. oldest child, Santino Corleone, played by the James accomplished Kahn. actor James Kahn, who we already get the sense of is a very brash, very spontaneous, yeah. kind of with an attitude, yeah. who really truly is One the epitome. One to not be messed with. Right, the yes, epitome in the of wrong a gangster, way. if mm-hmm. that's, you could find a definition of one. Mm-hmm. Then you get the other son, the next to the oldest, which is Fredo Corleone, kind of, you see him kind of drunk in the film mm-hmm. at the very but, beginning But you get the, the impression that he's kind of, I mean, he was nice, he was nice to Kay, mm-hmm. just kind of shy or soft-spoken, mm-hmm. I should say. You know? Well, you know, when I first watched it, and every time you see a classic film, you learn something different about mm-hmm. it. And uh, when I first initially watched it, you see him drunk. So in Mm-hmm. I took that as, although it's a wedding, you know, you're the son of a very important man and you allow yourself to get drunk. That shows to me, mm, well, you kind of don't care mm-hmm. about who you are, where you are, the environment kind of thing. True. And then you get the younger son played by Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Michael Corleone and he the first thing you really hear him say is that he distances himself uh-huh. from his family uh-huh. when he's talking to his yeah. girlfriend at the time Kay Adams played by Diane Keaton uh-huh. so and as the old Shakespearean quote says thou protest too much uh-huh. a person that constantly to me denounces and denies the who they are I mean that says a lot that says yeah, a lot. He's, he's constantly he's denouncing. He's literally. He's denouncing um, his family as well as his identity mm-hmm. in some form or fashion. He's mm-hmm. not entirely sure who he wants to be. And I think that's in- indicative of the fact that he's come back from the war as a war hero, mm-hmm. whereas the rest of the family, although they participate mm-hmm. in social things, they've still maintained their Italian identity, mm-hmm. whereas he's kind of left that, and that he's had a he's, girlfriend that's non-Italian. Yes, he's he's more, he's kind of tried to like Americanize himself, Correct. or his idea of who and what he should be and right. how he should act. Correct. And I think at the very beginning, by telling um, Diane Keaton's character too much personal information, mm-hmm. it comes back in the long run to kind of haunt him, as they say. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't tell the family business. If there's one thing I've learned in life, and I've learned that from this film, is family business is family business. Mm-hmm. You never let anyone know what's going on outside of the family. Well, he even says it in the film later mm-hmm. on. You never tell anyone outside the family what you think. <laughs> and that's a true yes. statement. Mm-hmm. But the movie is so well written of showing the transformation, not only of Don Vito's character, but of, but Michael. of Michael. Of really of all of them. Mm-hmm. But really the juxtaposition with Michael, especially when mm-hmm. he when it comes from, you know, the Godfather 1 to 2 to even 3. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's really interesting to watch his dynamic change in so many mm-hmm. ways. That's very realistic, even for a man, even if he wasn't a gangster, a mobster, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Just the many phases of an individual as they grow and evolve. I, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. And they do such a wonderful job of showing the conflict, the internal conflict mm-hmm. that Michael Corleone suffers between, you know, holding the strings of his family yes. and holding his own family without mentally breaking, but yet seeing the turmoil of dealing with such the heavy burden of being the family string holder. And I think it also shows. You know, sometimes in our families, we might not agree with what our parents or forefathers has left us or, mm-hmm. you know, our inheritance or whatever it is that we we take on. We take on their legacy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we get stuck in choosing between continuing their legacy or combining their legacy with what we choose to do. Mm-hmm. Or, for instance, not being ashamed. Sometimes, you know, people who are children of immigrants are ashamed of what they've done. And, and I felt mm-hmm. like Michael was ashamed mm-hmm. of what his father was and what his family represented to him and to the world until the incident when his father was shot. Mm-hmm. And then that was like ding, 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 like a lighting a lightning bulb going off well, in I his head. Well, I think it registered to him, and we're fast forwarding mm-hmm. because Don Vito does get shot by his enemies, so to speak. Salazzo. Salazzo, mm-hmm. as well as Barzini, which is played by Richard Conti and a few others, mm-hmm. and he gets shot. He does survive, but that hospital scene is so pivotal because yes. that's where we do see the transference of power mm-hmm. from Don Vito to Michael because... Yes. Marlon Brando never wanted, or Don Vito never wanted, Michael to be the one to carry the strings because yeah. you he know he called him like I, I thought of you being Senator Corleone or president or, mm-hmm. or lawyer, mm-hmm. and I think that's because you know as a parent you see certain things in each of your children and what they're capable of. Yeah, you want them to go down certain roads in life. And for Michael, avenues. I think he knew that he was the one to be capable to take the family outside of the criminal aspect to the more legitimate side of the of the world because i think michael embodied he was a lot like his father in some ways some aspects Mm -hmm. he he was more disciplined Mm -hmm. than santino corleone was and he was more structured and business-minded than Fredo was. Right now, Tom Hagen was amazing. I love the Robert Duvall character. Oh yeah, because you know, and he was nominated for oh, yeah. Best Supporting Actor, mm-hmm. quite deservingly so. Mm-hmm. I think his character was great. He was a, a, a benefit to the Coulion family. Mm-hmm. But honestly speaking, in this kind of culture and dialogue, they were never going to give... Elevate him. Elevate him. Because he was non-Italian. Yeah, because he the was non-Sicilian. So that was never going to happen. Right, right. Um, but Michael was the only one that had the brains, I think, of the father mm-hmm. to take on that type of role and to and take ahead, you know, take control of the family. And we see that in the different scenes that they show with each child mm-hmm. because it shows when Don Vito gets shot, mm-hmm. Fredo was with him. And it showed the weakness of Fredo because mm-hmm. he wasn't able to hold a gun. He drops it. The he fragility of him. Right. Mm-hmm. He drops the gun. He starts crying for his father. Mm-hmm. So that really... Papa! Papa! 
<laughs> Great imitation, Coco. Thank you. Um, he drops the gun and it just shows his fragile state of mm-hmm. not being able to hold such a high position of power. Then we yeah. see the other extreme end with his mm-hmm. oldest son, Santino, played by James Caan, that he was very brash, very quick-tempered, mm-hmm. because when things transfold or unfolded, he wanted to be very quick to jump off and he pop off. He wouldn't listen to anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's funny because I noticed the only person that could get it you know, could semi make him listen was Tom Hankins. Right. But even and then, even that, that was, was a battle. A battle. I mean, that I was mean, with his challenges. To was like talking to a rock. Okay. And it's so <laughs> funny to me because I've said this many times to you, Francesca. When I look at um, Santino, to me, it's really like seeing Clemenza influence on him to me. They were a lot alike because if you watch The Godfather 2, you, you saw that Clemenza was somewhat of a hothead, always mm-hmm. ready to fight. Mm-hmm. And I could see that even when Sonny uh, was a child, mm-hmm. you see him already like playing around with his father fighting. Right. And you that know, is something we see in the second mm-hmm. Godfather for another episode. <laughs> but Clemenza, played by Richard Castellano, mm-hmm. you know, who was one of the people that worked on the Don Vito uh, was very mm-hmm. influential and and did like kind of the style of Santino. He did. He he thought Santino was the perfect Don because his attitude and his mannerisms right. was was him. Was right. Clemenza. It was and, like looking in the mirror in a lot of ways to see, me. We see you know kind of his rash and you know quick temper mm-hmm. when he um, number one he's cheating on his wife with this young girl that causes a lot of issues then yeah. also he's very quick tempered when we find out that Connie Corleone who's yeah. married her husband Carlo mm-hmm. is being verbally and physically abused mm-hmm. and Santino is very quick to jump in and on contrary to the rest mm-hmm. of the family who don't want to get involved in you know their affairs mm-hmm. and he's and that was another plug as we find out later of how they get to hurt the Corleone family mm-hmm. but he was very quick tempered and quick to beat up Carlo right, and so we see his nature of kind of you know I like to fight uh, I can solve things on the street kind of way if you have a San- problem Santino, I'm beat you up Santino was a great protector I'd mm-hmm. say and a lover of family provider but his issue was he allowed his temper as as Al Pacino's character Michael Culioni said and I think in the third one you know to kind of um overrule over that's the word overruled his judgment mm-hmm. and sometimes and sometimes when you allow your temperament to out or overrule your judgment mm-hmm. you're you're quick to make mistakes and because yes. he was and because he was so angry when Connie naturally like any brother would or father would right. if your sister has been beaten by their husband but right. when he continued to you know overreact and go beat up Carlo instead of thinking of how to do it another way mm-hmm. it made an easy way for them to to trick him to make an attack on the Corleone mm-hmm. family yeah because they found that opening the weakness that opening to the door to, to, to right. see how he ticked and then he had a reputation anyway right for being a, a hothead right which is what um, Tom Hagen said because he even told him you're I hope you love the reputation you're getting mm-hmm. you know correct so after we see 
The first initial transference of power, in my opinion, which was when Michael tells his father, I'm with you now in the hospital after mm-hmm. he's been shot five times. And, and Brando cries, which is so poignant to me. Right. So poignant. The second, I feel, transference of when really, and I mean literally, Michael takes the ownership of being the head of the family mm-hmm. was when all of them, and that includes Santino, Clemenza, Tom Hagen, they're in the room trying to figure out, you know, how to get back at the family for shooting, the five families for shooting Don Vito and who was the snitch and all of these things. And Michael is sitting in the seat and he displays of how he's going to get, you know, Soloso and Captain McCluskey. Mm -hmm. And he tells them... The famous scene where Santino is like, what are you going to do? Shoot him from far away? This is when you stick the gun in his face and (laughs) bada-bing! Right, he's like, this is the war. You know, <laughs> and because Michael had never really taken that role of being mm-hmm. head of the family, they all kind of laughed it off. But in reality, mm-hmm. that's when we really see Michael because he was in his father's chair. The camera right. zooms in very closely. Francis for Coppola does an outstanding job mm-hmm. of really zooming in closely because I think it signifies us really seeing him the growth of Michael. Right, that's mm-hmm. when we see the transition of him taking leadership roles and taking accountability accountability to say mm-hmm. I'm now in control. Yeah, and it's also interesting to see their reaction. They never took um, Michael seriously because mm-hmm. I think Clemenza is the first to laugh, mm-hmm. and then James Caan, the Santino character, right. laughs, and even and Tom, Tom Hagen, Hagen, he's not laughing, but he's like, you know, well, a wait a minute, let's kind of unsure, and then you, quite naturally you could think that because they say it that you you know you never wanted to be a part of the family now you're gonna you know blow a captain's head off because he was Punched smacked you in, you in the, the face <laughs> you know so I I can understand I can understand that right but mm-hmm. his seriousness and calm and tranquil well, that was nature his father's nature showed mm-hmm. what we saw in the very beginning of the movie when Marlon Brando is playing with the cat at his daughter's wedding mm-hmm. telling great you know tie, the yes. bonacera mm-hmm. that he's going to you know you call me godfather and this I'll end I'll solve this problem for you about how they attacked your daughter so it's the same type of we yeah. see the same transition of the, the camera and I think that's to reach show that he's the same person as his father now yes i, I would agree so with i think that. francis for coppola has these periods in the in the movie mm-hmm. where it really goes back to other scenes to show us how michael has now become his father mm-hmm. and that was the second one in my opinion you know yeah that I, he had done I, that. I would i would agree with that because santino like i mentioned earlier was so upset and angry, naturally so, once again. Mm-hmm. But it was clouding his judgment. Mm-hmm. And and the only thing he was ready to do was just kill everybody. Because even Tom told him, you can't kill everybody. Right. You know? We can't kill all our enemies. Mm-hmm. And so, very true. Very true. So, I, who else would you have had that could do that? Unfortunately, no one. No. Unfortunately, no one. I think had the transition of power went to, and it did for a moment, to Santino. And unfortunately, you saw the percussions of what happened, Mm -hmm. which was Santino, um, unfortunately, being shot on the crossway. Mm -hmm. um, And that's a notorious scene, very famous scene. I can't even watch that scene to to this day because I just hate to see Sonny shot like that. Right. It just, just, I mean, they shot him like an animal. But I think that's just 
show the person. hatred mm-hmm. and the animosity that was going on between the yeah. families, mm-hmm. and that you and would shoot somebody. And for Santino, um, distinctly, exactly, you know, exactly because of his brashness, exactly, you know, on his hard exterior. And I think Francis Ford Coppola talked about that once. Mm-hmm. They, I think, if and correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he said that in one of the things that I've I've heard him or I've seen him say was that. To take down such a character like that, he thought that was going to Midway be the only the way to take him down. It would have to be that gruesome because and you would always true. think as Sonny being so tough that right. he's indestructible, that that's nothing correct. could get rid of him or take correct. him out. And that's very true. I mean, to it's just like, and like I said, a lot of the movie, in my personal opinion, it mirrors so many things a lot of things that they have a mate to it so you see at the beginning of the movie Don Vito being shot five times then you see okay to progress with that Mm -hmm. you see his own son being shot over 50 times so it's like a mirroring image Mm -hmm. of that but worse Mm -hmm. so it just shows that you know a lot of the things that Don Vito went through his children unfortunately suffered the repercussions as well yes it it does and then you see Connie you know in her own personal marriage suffering mm-hmm. just like her brothers as if she were on the street mm-hmm. or a gangster herself in her own marriage because we find out that her husband is a traitor and you don't find that out until midway through the movie as well and he's beating her because of it that was the ploy to get Santino Corleone trapped into being shot on the crossway okay so let me ask you this yes. it has been much debate over the years mm-hmm. about Connie Corleone never really taken responsibility to her character okay. for her brother, for Santino for the being, death of her brother. Yeah, being shot. Oh, do that's you a tricky fe- one, Coco. Do you feel that Connie was wrong for that, her character? Do you feel that she didn't, or they didn't even really show a lot of... Um, well, funny you should emotion from from her well because she obviously was still with carlo she, right. she was still in love with him and wasn't gonna leave him i mean now, it showed that here's the thing that for all of those novel lovers out there who read the book written by mario puso that was not kind of you know portrayed in the movie is mm-hmm. that um her family don vito her parents her family warned her not to marry carlo Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. when you read the book, that's kind of transcribed in the, the novel. Yeah, it's a little bit different. So she's asked not to marry him because I think her father had said something to the lines of that he's a thug mm-hmm. and that, you know, he really just wants to be into the family business mm-hmm. and that he's just using you, so to and speak. And that was apparent in the film. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I you can't necessarily blame her for what happened to her brother because he was at the, at, you know, at the end of it, albeit a criminal Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. he was living a lifestyle of criminal behavior so Mm -hmm. it was bound I think to happen now I think it is strange you know to say that I have a family that controls so many things Mm -hmm. you know politicians things like that Mm -hmm. and yet I can't tell my own family if my husband dissatisfies me who naturally is verbally and physically abusing me Mm -hmm. to get rid of him Mm-hmm. I mean that is, that is strange to me. Um, so, but it, it shows you, and I and I agree with you totally because I was kind of disappointed in that. I'm like, your brother died to save you, and you mm-hmm. don't really see um, 
Well, I think enhance her and as we yeah, talk about her. And, and sometimes you don't have to show every reaction to everything. But right. I thought it was such a pivotal moment that I thought, okay, even if you don't see her grieving, mm-hmm. you can kind of tell that because of what she did, she's going to leave Carlo, but she doesn't leave mm-hmm. him. And then even later on in the second one, when when Michael, you know, has killed him by the end of the first one, mm-hmm. she's still no, that's in the first one, excuse me. She's she blames him instead of taking on well, he deserved to die. He he killed my brother who was saving my life. Well, I think as anyone, you rationalize. You rationalize. And yeah. there is a psychology to people who are victims of abuse. True. You know, and I think as a battered wife, you rationalize mm-hmm. the actions not only of yourself, mm-hmm. but of the person that is, you know, assaulting you or victimizing you. Mm-hmm. And I think she rationalized because to think about the horror that you may or may not have had to the, a hand in the death of your brother would totally... I think ruin her mind. I and agree with you, that. As you go forward, and we'll talk about this further. And you see her evolution into the next film, and we'll talk about that in another episode with Godfather Part Two. Is that I think her lifestyle, the recklessness of her lifestyle mm-hmm. later as she got older, showed her guilt. Yes, her shame. I would agree with that. And and and, and then her I think accountability, whether she would admit it or not to anyone, the lack of being a parent to her children. You know, but then she she kinds of you know becomes a mother when Michael is separated from Kate to his children, and, I and think then that in the third her, one she's helping Michael. And I think that was her atonement in her mind and her retribution because mm-hmm. she to, tells Michael, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, in she the does. second one, I'm with you know. now, mm-hmm. and she does the same thing. Like and, I said, and she says she hated him for so long. I she think. did, and mm-hmm. I think she a part of that. And I could be wrong. Her hatred towards him was her hatred towards herself mm-hmm. to say that. Misguided hatred. Exactly. That I felt responsible for my brother's death. Because a lot of us like responsible for what happened to my younger brother who has now taken over because my oldest brother is dead. Yeah, because uh, like I said, a lot of us sometimes like to blame other people instead of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when it comes to ourselves, we're the last person that wants to take responsibility for our issues. And like I said, you know, we tend to blame. As a battered woman and, you know, that's horrible for any person, whether you're male or female, to Mm -hmm. experience it does leave, you know, a traumatic mark on your mind. Yeah. And I think that that's one aspect to me personally mm-hmm. as to why she behaved the way she did, even mm-hmm. in the first one, mm-hmm. as well as you see her from the second movie to the third. Yes. So I, I, I think agree. a lot of them felt guilt over the death of the mm-hmm. uh, of Santino as well as Don Vito. Mm-hmm. Because here it is, he's the patriarch of this family mm-hmm. and no parent wants to outlive or their child to not outlive them yeah. you don't want to outlive your child it's like goes against the natural order of things and so and you, you can, regret and, and your you choices can, and you can tell actually a lot of times with families with patriarchs mm-hmm. you know who have such a powerful legacy mm-hmm. um they control you in ways you don't really understand that's very true so you're still like you're an adult 
mm-hmm. but you're still somewhat living as a child. You, well, you know, I don't mean a child like mm-hmm. a, a child, like a toddler. I don't mean that. Mm-hmm. But I mean like their control over how you live your life. And, and a lot of times you don't have a lot of individual thinking of what you want to do. Correct. You, you understand Correct. what I mean by that? Well, I, I, I take it as, you know, they protect you, but that protection, you know, can become overbearing mm-hmm. to the point where you can't develop your own wings to really be yes. your own self or your have own your person, own mind, your own voice. Mm-hmm. And but that's you know reality. Mm-hmm. And you can look at any historical figure in real life, and you know look at the you know evolution of their life as well as their family life or the mm-hmm. tragic nature of let's say that that historical figure did not survive and the tragic repercussions mm-hmm. that it had on their family. True. So it's very, very hard to live in the shoes of someone that is so powerful as well as have a normal life mm-hmm. and then see that person in two hats as the person they are to the world and then the person they are to you. Exactly, exactly. So you can feel kind of lost and displaced. Right. And they had expectations of how they wanted Connie to live mm-hmm. because um, Michael even says that mm-hmm. in the second and it's one. it's hard to fit those shoes. Yeah, very, very even hard and very difficult. aspect. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the film is so poignant to because talk about <laughs> exactly. family because how many of us all, you know, have a role that we must play, whether it's big or small. Yes. And you can understand the the, the torment that they all kind of have to come to terms with. When you're just trying to when find yourself. When you're trying yourself. to be yourself. Mm-hmm. When you're trying to be yourself and then grow. And then your version of yourself. And your version not of your yourself. version of your parents' expectations of who right. they want you to become and right. be. And, I mean, that's very difficult and it's very freeing to feel like you can be whom this is the person that I have chosen to be who I've created to be and I and I feel like all of them felt that way in some way mm-hmm. as you see that in Michael when he tries to you know um, distance himself from his family you mm-hmm. see that in Fredo when you know um, he tries to have his own. He doesn't fit in, period. Being a gangster right. was never really him, I really right. believe. But then he and that's why becomes Sonny, resentful later. And yeah, and, like and that. that's why Sonny sent him with Mo Green, you know. At, to Las Vegas. To Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. You see that in, in Connie. She's trying to be the dutiful Italian housewife to her husband. But that's not really her. You know, um, with, San, with Santino... Um, I don't really see him trying to distance himself. He's mm-hmm. he's embodying what he thinks. He's putting on a persona, and that's really him of what he thinks mm-hmm. he should be as that person. He wants to be where they all do. They put on a persona, but it, it's at some point it's a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, unlike their father, who's created not only a life but a persona for himself and his children, and that's what I mean by huge patriarchs as himself. Mm-hmm. You have such a huge, you know, figurine. You're such a huge person to so many people, mm-hmm. and it's hard to really just be the pure father husband like a normal person so it's like where do you find that fine line of you know who am I defining that for your kids and so they Uh each try to take that role and define it for Uh themselves and then reshape it but then you see them all trying to do that in a healthy way and it fails somewhat yeah and and the issue too is because 
you know, the father set out to do what he did, and that's why in The Godfather 2 is just as powerful, even, oh, even wow. Let's not if even not even there. more, because <laughs> it gives you more of his story his so you can understand, story. Yeah. understand the character. It, he didn't do that because it was charming or it was good looking to be a gangster or do this. He did it because that was the only way he could provide for his family well, I think, at the time. It was, know, it's a difference. And we'll it's quickly, not a glamorized right. version. And we'll quickly get into that a little bit with The Godfather Part 2. We learn, you know, in Sicily, you know, it was kind of the way of life uh, as far as being, you know, a don or something mm-hmm. of that nature. Il padrino. Right. So then we learn that's a way to provide for your family. He's like, I'm going to go to America after his father is killed, his brother is killed, his mother is killed. All of his family is basically mm-hmm. killed. Mm-hmm. His name is changed from what it originally is. He comes to America. He starts from scratch, mm-hmm. from zero, and reinvents himself, but yet keeps a part of who he really is always there. Mm-hmm. And so that's hard for anyone to do. Yeah. Yeah. And yet his alone as a child. Alone. Your parents scared, are you murdered. The language. Your mother is murdered in front of you. Your father is murdered. Right. Your brother. I mean. I don't know if I could have survived that. I mean, and then you get on a boat and go not right. to another city, another town, another across country. the world. That speaks another language. Yes, that's that you don't speak. Friendly because you're non-American. And, and you can see that he was very quiet and alone. You know, well, I think some part of him had to go in to be introspective mm-hmm. and th- before he could become outspoken about mm-hmm. who he was and that's later transformed in the godfather part two when he meets clemenza and the rest right. of them and, and i Tessio. think that's so mirrored mm-hmm. back to michael as we yeah you know that his, you say that yeah character. because michael is a lot like that mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. very introspective very quiet we don't very know very much yeah. you know about him in the very beginning other than he was a war hero he doesn't want to be like his family he's not criminal he mm-hmm. wants to be legitimate he mm-hmm. wants to be very non-Italian. Yeah. But then as the movie progresses, he becomes very vocal, but in a very quiet, serene way. way. Mm-hmm. And he's more of the criminal, as we learn, than Santino ever was. Well, I think also what happened is sometimes when we are growing up, we look at life very idealistically. Mm-hmm. You know, it's either black or white. You're either mm-hmm. good or you're bad. Mm-hmm. And I think that when Michael, especially when he took over the family and he saw his father shot and he started learning about the family business and what was going on, his viewpoint changed. He and saw he, the and hypocrisies. He, and he realized, you just said it, he saw the hypocrisies and he realized, well, wait a minute. Um, it's um, not always black it's and not, white. It's, it, yeah, it's not it's as shades, black and white as one as one <laughs> thinks. So, right. is is this country or or what it represents any better than, than what, what my I, family does? Exactly. Or mm-hmm. is it the same thing? So, I think he changed because, like I said, mm-hmm. a lot of times when we're younger, we just we have an idealistic viewpoint right. based on what's being told to us, what we see, what or, you or how how you feel. Correct. And that's what he tried to explain to Kayla. 
later on who comes from a totally different background, totally different viewpoint, who could never really understand it. Correct. Mm -hmm. But let's quickly talk about the other character in the room that is so poignant, and that is the music oh. behind the film oh, by yes. Nino Rota, mm -hmm. and it's the, the actual theme to The Godfather, which is Speak Lovely. Speak uh, Softly speak Love. Speak Softly Love, excuse me. Mm -hmm. That is a character of its own. Mm -hmm. Without that theme to the music, I mean to the movie, we would not have The Godfather. That theme is just as iconic as the film itself. Can we give an applause for all the fantastic composers oh, of all these classic bravo, films bravo. that we that we watch because I'm going to say something about being in music myself as well as you mm -hmm. that the heartbeat of the film is the composition it's the music correct because the music is what helps you feel what the actors and the dialogue is trying to help you to see correct. or to display so the music is extremely important and i believe that francis for coppola's father wrote one of the waltzes in there carmine coppola yes correct so i mean i mean this the music i mean you hear it you already automatically know it's the godfather and that's that how is the making is. of that is the making of a fantastic classic film. Classic Without film the music, there would and be classic, no Godfather. You know, an amazing composer. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so to Bravi to Nina Rota mm -hmm. for the Bravo. movie. So I just had to quickly intervene and yeah, say because, that about you know, the music because that is the other, you know, actor in the room is the music. It is, and and us being also musicians and singers and and classically trained and everything. That is. Uh, so important to us as well. Correct. Mm -hmm. So as we fast forward, you know, and we are not giving full detail of the movie. Number one, we want you to see it. <laughs> Number and I, two, we hope you have. We hope you already have. Correct. Because let me tell you, walking down the streets of New York and Little Italy, when I hear that music, and I'm and, and they I'm, do play the Godfather believe, theme. Yes, and and <laughs> and and I have been involved in um, the parade. Oh my gosh, just slipped my tongue. Every year, the San Janeiro Festival. Oh wow! Yes, you I've been know. to that one time with mm -hmm. you, and it is so just like the movie. It is so and beautiful. it goes all down the neighborhood of the of the Lower Correct. East Side. And I thought little, that was kind of imaginary when right I first where it was watched filmed. The Godfather, mm -hmm. but it is truly a thing that I think everyone should go to New York and see mm -hmm. in New York City. At least and you once see in the their and, life. and you see the tenement buildings, you know Correct. that hasn't changed since the 1800s. Correct. When immigrants came, just like they portrayed in the film the godfather and 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 the festival you and see that's the priest another and you see all that it's just amazing it's and a, that's it's amazing another character mm -hmm. to the to the film is the backdrop the scenery the locations mm -hmm. of the film which is new york city and mm -hmm. then they do las vegas and then you have cuba so i mean it's yeah. just so yeah. all these locations all of these things are just so quintessential to the film yeah. i mean it it really paints the picture it really does and and you know you go to the the festival mm -hmm. and you go and you have zeppelis and all this i mean it's just mm. Oh my gosh, it's just fantastic. And even in Italy, when we were in Italy, just uh, amazing. Right. Just amazing. But of course we want you to see the film, but the movie is so detailed, you know, that we don't want to miss any beat or any detail. So mm -hmm. we're kind of fast forwarding through the script, but um, we definitely, there's no classic film without The Godfather. There is you none. can't talk about a classics without The Godfather. If you talk about Citizen Kane, you must talk about, you know, The Godfather. So and, and, and let me add this. You know, a great film was a great film. 
you sometimes mm-hmm. people miss the point and they want to make it about cultural things or racial mm-hmm. things that's really inconsequential what Correct. it's about is that it's a great film that anyone can enjoy and exactly. identify with exactly. i identify with the godfather i've been watching this I mean, movie since for the we last were 30 40 years really plus, and it never goes old it never, never gets down never never i mean and that's I'm, what I'm makes it so beautiful every single time we watch it and that's why i said every time you watch it you you learn something new and mm-hmm. i've watched this movie I mean, I, I have it on repeat. <laughs> we have it on repeat. <laughs> we have every version. We have the remaster to the, the director's, director's cut, cut to you the know, film theatrical version, the Francis Ford Coppola's <laughs> version. Right, and, and, and you to know, bravo once again to Francis Ford Coppola because you've created a legacy mm-hmm. that this movie truly will go on forever, and, and it transcends, you know racial creed as you said mm-hmm. ethnic background your religious motto whatever it is because it really speaks to you about family and, and yes. in the midst of and, quarantine and you really should watch it you should <laughs> and it speaks to like you just said family and every person's personal quest for success to becoming who they are yeah because at the end of the day they all just wanted to be successful Yes. I mean, Don Vito, at the end of the day, wanted to feed his family and it turned into something else and he became successful. And the same thing with um, his children. You know, every every man wants to feel like they can take care of their family. Exactly. And passing those strings from one generation to the and next. And those tra- traditions. I mean, that should transcend to anyone mm-hmm. when you have a family about really teaching them the ropes of how to be, how to become who they are, and not only becoming successful, mm-hmm. but still embracing who they are. in their And never losing that. Exactly. Because I think that's what happens to every culture of people you know as new generations come along mm-hmm. you know we're always in fear of is the next generation going to forget the traditions that Correct. my father did or my Correct. grandmother Correct. or whatever so um, uh, that was what was important right so i we're not gonna give away every every detail <laughs> but this movie really I mean, you need to sit back, get your wine, get your champagne, and really embrace the beautiful nature of The Godfather. I mean, this is quintessential classics if I've ever seen one. And I give it a um, five stars. Five stars. I mean, every movie that we've discussed is five stars, but this really shows the transition, I think, of movies from the golden age all the way until now it's so relevant that mm-hmm. you can't even you can't say you're a classic movie lover if you haven't seen the godfather exactly i agree it'll never go out of style never so that wraps up this episode of champagne classics with champagne and caviar with francesca and coco and always catch us and like us on our instagram page yes and we are so thankful to all our followers who follow us already. So and all of our fans, we you. love you guys. And without your support, we would, support. we would not do what we, we do. And we trust me, we read every comment. We, we read every <laughs> email. We read every review. And we love you guys. And we're so appreciative. So right. thank you so very much. So stay safe and healthy and tune in for the next episode. Ciao. Bye-bye. Ha, 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 ha.